Hello! Welcome to the Fancy Fantasy Football Podcast that has nothing to do with football. This is spooky time of year, and so we are going to talk spooky things, uh, specifically mostly movies and a little bit of TV. And for that, I have special frequent contributor on all things spooky, Abby Sol. Say hello, Abby. Hello! Happy almost Halloween. Yeah, and by the time this gets out, it's probably going to be like Thanksgiving, but whatever (laughs) happy Uh, past thanksgiving halloween so how's it going you know it's a time it (laughs) is a time this was a very watching some movies that had little to nothing to do with the state of the world was a very nice change of pace for our household and so i appreciated the distraction yeah i enjoyed uh i was looking forward to this a lot and i I'm glad it's, it's it's kind of like a mini. It's not nearly as cool, but it's kind of like a mini um, Oscar movie marathon for me. It's like a bunch of media to consume with another person and talk about it and stuff. Uh, not nearly as good of movies <laughs> as the best no. picture showcase, but uh, but still very fun to do. I think. Yeah, very true. It's like fun to make the list and then just work through it. And um, it was nice to sort of remove the like, what are we watching tonight from the agenda for a little bit. Um, just because we could, there were so many things to watch. So that was great. Yes. Uh, so here's what the plan is. As per usual, um, I am going to, we're going to talk about a bunch of stuff. And so a spoiler warning at the front, everything we talk about will to some varying degree be spoiled. So if you want to watch these things and you don't want them spoiled, then skip that part. I will put timestamps on the podcast description so you can skip that entire section if you want, but I'm not going to get more granular than that on the spoilers. So just be warned about everything we're going to do. Okay? Deal. I'm nodding, which I know. is not helpful in and, audio. <laughs> and also, you're not the listener. It's not really uh, – it wasn't for you, uh, but, but I'm glad that there was some noise in response. Okay. So – um. Here is the rundown of things that we both watched um, for this year's Spooky Fest, and it is a long list because we're very ambitious people. Uh, In order, we're going to go over The Relic, The Other Lamb, Memories of Murder, Lovecraft Country. Then we're going to take a little uh, detour into a bunch of stuff about the thing. And then Shirley, Haunting of Bly Manor, and finally, the 2020, The Invisible Man. And then at the end, I will talk about a couple of extra things that I watched in the past calendar year that are variously spooky, but that'll be a quick thing, a uh, little bonus. So that's our menu. How does it sound? Delicious? I was waiting because I thought that might have also been for the listener. Yes, it sounds great. <laughs> I, I'm just going to keep asking rhetorical listener questions to you over and over again. So, uh, the first thing, uh, also, hmm, I guess it doesn't really benefit, but I have, I was trying to remember whose suggestion each of these were, and I was very mm. not sure of, of several of them. Uh, the first being the relic. I believe it was my idea. I'm not positive. Um, yes, I think it was. Okay. So we watched the relic and it was my idea. First of all, what did you think of relic? I did not love it, but I as I watched, I watched it probably like midway through all of these things. Um, and towards the end, I look back on it more fondly than I felt while watching it because it was the only thing on this list that was actually sort of scary. 
Um, so I appreciated that it gave me that horror movie vibe that I didn't necessarily get from the other movies. Um, but it was not my favorite. It was mostly sort of gross. Not my favorite. So generally speaking, Relic um, is about a mom living in a house. Uh, she's kind of going through dementia and dying and the house is kind of decaying in a very uh, visceral way with like black mold and crumbling and there's maybe an evil presence and a daughter uh, wants to help her. Uh, it's They're Australian, right? Yes. Um, and, and so I agree. I did not love it. I did like the vibes. It was, it had a freaky vibe. Um, the, the imagery was, was pretty cool. Um, a lot, yeah, a lot of very, like, very obvious, like moldering death, uh, just throughout, uh, the house was very creepy and creepy things happened. Um, the, so here's my main beef with it. I felt like they had some good imagery and it was clearly trying to tie together the spookiness and the dementia and the decay of, of the mother herself. Um, but it did not really clearly, it, it, it was, it kind of split the middle in a way that did not work for me as far as like trying to either say this is, this movie is entirely actually about dementia or this movie is, actually about a genuine supernatural house that is decaying and has like, you know, impossible hallways that loop back on themselves and blah, blah, blah. Um, it, it did not exactly work for me as far as trying to combine those two worlds. What do you think? I agree with that. And I think that, um, yeah, some of the connection to dementia and just like the aging of a body getting older, um, was a little heavy handed when they tried to tie it together with there also was maybe an evil presence in the house. Um, and I think that overall it just made me feel like there just wasn't an explanation for why the house was so weird and what exactly happened though. Clearly it's traced through their bloodline or something. I don't know. And I, I'm always bothered when there's not an explanation of why all the creepy stuff just happened. Um, the most sort of heavy handed part of, trying to tie the two together that I thought just didn't work was at the end when their mother who has become sort of this evil creature is like a black nothing and her skin is falling off. She's like and a the daughter's like, I'm going to stay and just hang out here and help you peel your skin off. Yeah. Mother. So, so there's this like, um, black humanoid creature that you would get glimpses of and stuff. And they're like loud knocks on the, on the walls and stuff. Um, and again, like very like fast growing mold, like before your very eyes and flashbacks to a vague childhood trauma, neglect death thing that they didn't really spell out with the grandfather or uncle. Um, the, yeah, so, maybe, yeah. Um, and so, so there's like this black mummified thing. Um, and uh, the daughter like saw it under a bed and just like was fine with like just decided to stay after that. Uh, and yeah, so then once things get crazy and out of hand at the end, of like it was a very slow burn 
Uh, yes. And, but so then, it was a little boring of a slow burn. Yeah. And then at the very end, it got extra crazy. Uh, and so then the mom turned into a literal monster and then she turned into this, like, yeah, she's like, essentially I, in my mind, like a, a like a mummy, a walking yeah. mummy, like completely dried out, just bones and, and charred. Uh, and so, yeah, then, then she decided to stay and peel off her, uh, skin, uh, to reveal this monster. And that was like essentially the end of the movie. And it made no sense to me. No sense. And I don't like things just being weird for weird sake. I think even some of the most absurd movies at least have sort of an explanation or tied together or something like that. And I think that's why it felt like a lot of build up to yes, sort of a creepy ending that I appreciated and then just left with nothing except for this like mummy making a bread spread very dirty is how I felt. It was a yeah, it, like some cool imagery, but overall does not work as a plot um, and nope. does not work as like a symbol. Uh, so overall, that was my suggestion, and I am sorry that it wasn't amazing. A couple of creepy nice. images, and that's about it. Mm, agreed. And I don't know. I, I missed how I, – I really was sort of bored in the middle, and I missed how the daughter got stuck in the wall in the – must have been in that closet yeah so yeah yeah, i figured there's like this um creepy like it was like a a locked off like walk-in closet and then she was investigating it and she went um she realized that there's like a false like there's a blockage of like other boxes and random stuff and it actually went deeper and so she realized how deep it went and she got past that part and went deeper and deeper deeper and there were these notes that were clearly the grandmother like yes. say, like reminding herself of like very basic facts that she was forgetting because she had dementia like you know my name is this like this is the light switch like stuff like that um and then she took some turns and then she realized that she would keep walking and it kept looping so it was like an impossible evil haunted uh hallway and it got smaller and smaller and more yeah, claustrophobic that... yeah that was freaky it was yeah that was the coolest part i think um she was just looking to it because the i think it was because the neighbor boy yeah had been, had been in locked there. in that closet and so she was trying to figure out what the deal is with it anyway mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. that part was that part right. when it first became Im- impossible and like either paranormal or having some effect on her mental faculties like that part was kind of cool i thought um it was like a, a hard shift towards the surreal um but it yeah it didn't really go anywhere yeah, I think I think you were right. Like, I think there were some very cool moments and cool vibe parts. And I do, I, as I mentioned, I, there were parts of it that were definitely the most sort of horror-y. Um, but yeah, it didn't go anywhere. It was too slow of a build. And just sort of overall, some of the stuff at the end, it just felt like, oh, well, you figured out a gross thing to do, so you're going to do it and not explain why. Yes. And that's not my favorite, Pat. Yeah. Uh, so shifting to something that was pretty not horror, um, I want to talk next about The Other Lamb, which I'm confident was your suggestion. Yes. What did you think I knew think nothing of about this. <laughs> I knew nothing about it. I liked, I think that it was weird and it similarly had a cool vibe that I liked better than Relic. Um, but I also think it was exceptionally one note um, and started cooler than it ended. Yeah. So this, in general, this is um, focuses on a young woman who is in a cult in the middle of the woods, and there's this. Um, it, it's uh, all women except for the man who is the leader of the cult, who they call the shepherd. That guy looks 
kind of Jesus-like. Uh, he has a beard and long hair, and he is the guy who played one of the Darios from Game of Thrones for those extremely hardcore Game of Thrones fans. So I, I was familiar with him before. I think he was in The Haunting of Hill House also. He was also in The Haunting of Hill House. Uh, he was one of the <laughs> – he was the brother who is the author psychologist. Mm-hmm. Um, and so – Obviously, it's like a creepy religious sex cult. He has a bunch of half of the women there are approximately adult aged and he calls them wives and half of them are young adult to young, young child. And he calls them daughters and seemingly they are biologically his daughter from the wives uh, and they have to, you know, be completely devout to him and not question him, and etc. And so the two things that this really seemed like a weird mashup to me of that I had watched relatively recently were as far as like the weird religious stuff and having a creepy vibe that eventually kind of unravels. Um, it was it was like a less good midsummer in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. A lot of very pretty imagery, a lot of nature, um, but not as good as midsummer. And then also simultaneously right now, Jen and Megan and I are watching The Vow on hbo which yes, is about I mean, the we're Nexi- watching that too mm-hmm. and and it has a lot of of the vow vibes nexium cult uh and so it was just very interesting seeing that uh it and i checked just to make sure it came out the same year as midsummer um we i we also did that look here because gary and i watched it together and we were like this is very like was this inspired by midsummer or are we just having sort of a cult moment in last year i think the yeah latter mm-hmm. so they like the description of it on like IMDb or something like talked about how it was, it was like a feminist thing. And it was like, a, so all of the women are obviously super oppressed and subservient to the shepherd. Um, except for one, I guess who's kind of a rebel. And so the real story is essentially the main girl be, realizing how bad the situation is and becoming empowered and kind of, uh, lashing out. Um, but it did not, yeah, it didn't succeed at all as being like a feminist moral to me. Uh, when it's, yeah, it's like 95% uncomfortable misogyny and then like 5% like comeuppance. Uh, yeah, yeah, completely. And I think I, I really was sort of pleasantly surprised at the beginning, not knowing anything. It just was very weird. And I thought it was another one that did its vibe early on really well. And then I felt like it stalled. And then I was disappointed by the end, including the feminist come come up and switch makes me just sort of giggle because it's such a, it's such a minor part of the movie. Um, I was disappointed by the end because I think ultimately the plot was just about like sex. Like I feel like from the beginning you sort of got like this man probably likes to have sex with all these women. And we know that from the outset. And then at the end, it turns out like he turns because he wants to have sex with all the girls and like, it was sort of one note in that way. And it would have been interesting if there was something like deeper about the cult or more creepy or supernatural, or if the comeuppance had come earlier, I think they just sort of, um, it stalled a bit and petered out and yep. also was got a little boring. I totally agree. Yep. So I, to me, relic and the other lamb and Shirley, which we'll get to later, all kind of had similar vibes of like, just a little too empty, a little, just yeah. not, not enough there. Not a, there's a, there's a kernel, that they could have developed, but none of them did. And they all would have been very different kernels, the three of them, um, if they fully developed. But uh, but they all just did not fully realize the, the premise, I think. Um, the one thing I wanted to ask about, well, two things about the other lamb. One, what was the deal with his ra- jamming his fingers down the throats of his sex slaves? 
that was weird and i don't know what that was supposed to be about uh and then and then like the ending yeah it was just yeah uh, what was so hey first of all what it what, is just a sex thing that's it is that all i'm supposed to get out I, of it? I feel like i feel like he just wanted to have sex with people and realize that oh if i have 20 moms they're probably not gonna let me have sex with their 20 daughters so i'll figure out a different system um like i think he i think it was just about sex which is what is like okay that's probably why he started the cult in the first place like cool that's we're at the same place as we are at the beginning yeah and the jamming down the throat i don't know that part like that also reminded me of nexium a little bit like yeah. why do that part you weirdo i think he was just a weirdo just a, just, just a way to a weirdo dominate yeah um, exactly and uh the very 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 end the last shot is like the main girl, so all the girls who survived, which were the daughters, again, super mega spoilers, you guys, if if you're planning on watching yeah. The Other Land based on our glowing review, stop listening. Uh, all the daughters are in the woods looking a little creepy, and then they pan out, and then the main girl is, like, in front of them in, like, kind of like a, a leadership dominant position looking extra creepy. And so it, like, seemed like kind of like they all decided to follow her sort of at the very end of the movie. Yeah, I thought that was implied, too. Like, they went back to the place where they had been before, and she was about to sacrifice a lamb, I think, at the yeah. end, which mm-hmm. is what the shepherd had also done. Um, So I guess she's starting her own cult. But, like, wouldn't that have been a more interesting thing <laughs> to have explore further yeah. in a movie instead of just having it be about the guy if it really was a feminist one? Like, girl kills cult leader, becomes cult leader herself. That would have been more interesting. Yeah. So again, to me, just like Relic, like some kind of fun imagery, um, but overall not my favorite and probably I would not strongly recommend it for others. Sidebar, how far along are you in the vow? Uh, Kind of the middle-ish, I think for four okay. or five episodes. Uh, I will keep my opinions to myself then okay. until you finish. <laughs> Is it get even more like the other lamb? Is that what you're trying to get at? <laughs> well, I know. I mean, I think the cold stuff, yeah, sort of. There's parts of it that sort of do. Um, I think I was going to say talk about a really good idea with interesting stuff that stalls out a little bit. It's a little – it's not the best documentary of all time, but the subject is so interesting. Yeah, I've heard it's watching. overly yeah. long. And, you know, when the main guy is uh, by trade a documentarian yes. and he had been recording for like 15 years or whatever, he just had a lot of footage. It's so much it. material. <laughs> so he's like, I'm going to make an extra, extra long. Okay. So next, moving along, I want to talk about Memories of Murder. Um, so this movie is much older than the previous ones we've just talked about. It's from 2003. It's by Bong Joon-ho of Parasite fame. And so pretty much I've already seen several uh, Bong Joon-ho movies. So he also did Snowpiercer and The Host. Um, and he did Mother, which I haven't seen, but there's a few different movies named Mother. He did the Korean one that's called Mother. And I asked my friend Alex, who is Korean and a fan, uh, what should I see by him? I, I liked Parasite the most of all of those. Oh, he also did Okja on Netflix, which I made Jen and Megan watch and they hated me for. Uh, and he's he was immediately said Memories of Murder, uh, which is from 2003. And it's essentially kind of like a crime thriller. Yeah, uh, it was hard to find legitimate copies of. I, I requested it in the library and it took like three months for me to get my turn to watch it uh but anyway what did you think of memories of murder you hinted that you had thoughts uh and i didn't i did not inquire which direction those thoughts went so i didn't hate it um but i stopped watching it oh it no was too boring 
it was too boring. I really like, I think partially it was mood. And if I'm in this zone of needing distraction from the current state of the world, um, I really was on board. I love crime thrillers. I love like sort of finding out about detectives. It had a lot of humor in it, which I appreciated. Um, there were some hilarious cuts, like a cut from a corpse on a table to them doing Korean barbecue, like cooking meat. They, there was it was an enjoyable movie um but we got an hour and 20 minutes in and there was still like an hour and 20 minutes left and it felt like interminable so we stopped watching wow I'm so sorry that. so disappointing so okay jen also thought it was too slow um i watched so only the the ones that i could assure jen were not scary um she agreed to watch with me which was surprisingly a few of them she, she saw the other lamb with me and memories of murder um and Shirley and that is it on this list uh and so yeah she thought it was too slow I I thought it was finely paced so it yeah it's um there's a, a terrible serial killer in Korea and there's essentially like two doofus detectives um trying to unravel it and they're not very good at their job and the serial killer is maybe very smart and good at hiding what he's doing the main detective is the star and he's the same guy as the dad from parasite and he does he's very famous in korea and has a lot of uh big and he's super good he's yeah. great i loved him uh and mm-hmm. so to me i mean it's obviously a little dated because it's from 2003 and it's not very high budget because it's from 2003 and and not like a hollywood blockbuster uh so it was like a it was like a little like small i think a little you know quiet in places but i did not think it was too slow um i thought the comparison i made which is obviously too high of praise uh but it it was kind of like similar to the silence of the lambs in in the vibe to me just the tracking down the like too clever to solve serial killer there is no hannibal lecter analog um it's just the detectives versus the serial killer um and but i just i I thought it was fun i thought i enjoyed it and so i'm sorry that you thought it was too boring to even finish that hurts i hope alex is not listening to this podcast but i know i'm so sorry alex i'm so sorry alex don't worry (laughs) it is very possible that a non-2020 abby would have liked it more um but i think so twofold. One, I think the time and needing a distraction. And also I sort of asked to watch another one because um, I don't think my scare meter went off this year ever. And I, not that you sold that as a scary one, but I, you sold it as probably the best one of the ones you watched. And so I was like, oh, well, even if it's not scary, it's worth watching. And then it both wasn't scary and then was too slow for me. So I think that was the odds abby's odds were stacked against that movie and that's not very fair to the movie but yeah we stopped watching well that's a drag but i understand it was a little slow but i thought it was it worked out for me it, it was Does not it ramp too up slow at the end uh, i at mean all, cer- like do they have a face-off certainly the um the the tr- the like detective work and stuff and the stakes i suppose uh accelerate but it it, it will it is not so again massive spoilers um it is based on a true story and they didn't catch him until like a couple of years ago in real life. Um, well, <laughs> yeah. So it was like, uh, for sure, not a satisfying ending as far as a movie goes for it being from 2003. So no, mm. didn't, didn't have a face off. Didn't have the ultimate satisfaction in the end. So I actually apologize. I'm going to change up the schedule. I want to talk about all of the things stuff now because I want to do Lovecraft sure. country, Shirley and haunting of Bly Manor 
rapidly back to back. So, Fair. uh, I listen to a lot of podcasts and mo- a lot of them are video game related cause I'm a huge dork, but they also go far afield with their interests. They're not 100% one note on the video game stuff. And so one of them that I like is called MinMax, and they do a thing called The Deepest Dive, which is essentially like a book club in podcast form. And it's usually about video games, but they are doing one for Halloween right now, currently ongoing, uh, of all things the thing. They call it everything. And so they are doing the 1938 short story that inspired all versions of the thing. It's called Who Goes There? And then, of course, uh, the 1951 movie based on that short story called the thing from another world the 1982 movie that everyone knows by john carpenter the 2011 prequel um and then other forms of media like video games board games uh you know tangential sort of stuff uh and so we are not they just did the one about the 1982 film and so they haven't done the one yet for 2011 uh, so I haven't watched the prequel yet. I never have seen that. And, I, and I, I'm not going to talk about the board game. But I do want to talk about the short story and the old movie and the 82 movie. And you have seen the 82 movie, correct? I have, yes, a couple years ago. How much do you like it? I liked it. I enjoyed it. Um, I think that I watched it with Gary in our own version of pre-pod watching sort of scary movies and trying to do recent ones and classic ones. And um, there's, there were a ton of John Carpenter movies I had not seen. And so we watched that one. And I think I liked that best of the bunch. Um, I mean, it's dated for sure. And I think there's some sort of like cheesy things about it, but I, I'm trying to remember what else we watched. I'll have to think about it, but we watched like a slew of John Carpenter movies and I liked it quite a lot. I remember. Yeah. I, I liked it a fair, I've liked it a lot. Okay. A fair amount is too. Is, so I watched it for the first time also only a few years ago. I was kind of late to the party and I liked it a lot, but I, it held me back. Like, I think as far as just the pure plot goes, I think it has the bones to be like my favorite horror movie of all time. Mm. Um, but I just thought that the cheesy, overly gross special effects and monsterness uh, pushed me away and so it was just below being like a classic favorite of mine. I liked it a lot, but I thought that it was too kind of cheesy and gross in places. It's quite cheesy. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I was interested in this club because I wanted to see other versions of it and, um, you know, re, re give another look at it. So I'm going to go in chronological order of the things we're talking about. So the 1938 short story is really good. Um, I loved it. It's, it's like, um, 100 pages or so it's more of a novella than a yeah i was gonna say novella more than a short story yeah um but uh it is exactly what i wanted out of the movie um it is purely the psychology and the like problem solving and the claustrophobia and none of the grossness uh so it is like it's obviously it has a lot in common with the 1982 uh, movie there is a vastly different ending and there's a kind of a different framing than the beginning of the movie but overall it's very similar that a lot of the characters are the same names and the same like jobs on the base and they eventually come up with the same test um to figure out who the thing is uh and so yeah it, it was great i loved it a lot it was like amazing to me and so it was like everything i wanted the 1982 movie to be in in story form and so i highly recommend it to anybody that likes the thing check out who goes there um, it's a relatively quick read. It is a uh, hard sci-fi and it's very old. So 
it is a quick read because it's short and and entertaining but it is a little dense in parts because it like goes into the science pretty far like there's another if you recall from the 1982 thing they were going to do an antibody test first to figure out who the mm. thing is because they had all these blood stores and so they were going to do an antibody test to figure out who the thing is. And, and then uh, someone sabotaged the blood supply. So they didn't have clean blood to compare against. They actually did do an antibody test in the short story and they go deep in the science of how it works. And um, that is actually how they figured out that someone was already tainted. They, there are two people that donated their blood for the test and it turns out that at least one of them was the thing because it reacted to the monster blood but then they didn't have any clean monster blood um and they ran out of clean blood so they essentially couldn't do the antibody test but but uh it was like kind of hard to understand why there'd be like essentially like false positives or false negatives because of the details of the reaction and they they went deep on that and then there's also funny <laughs> stuff about like nuclear power you know it was like pre is like in the late 30s so you know like world war 2 was about to happen and, and the nuclear age was about to come. And so it was uh, interesting views of science at the time, essentially, but they're all like really smart care. Like all of them compared to like a lot of horror movies where people make very dumb decisions. Like they were all allegedly Antarctic scientists and they all made a lot of very smart decisions with the limited information and resources they had available. Like nobody did anything that made you smack your forehead. Um, but it, but it's just like some of it was like, I don't understand this. And I don't know if that's because I'm not hardcore enough into sci-fi or if it's because this is the thing people thought in the thirties and they don't think it anymore. Um, that's really interesting, actually like an interesting distinction. Cause I often find it fun to read books, science fiction, or just sort of fiction in general that's written um, in the, teens and 20s and 30s because I do think like ideally the story is good which it sounds like it was but then also you get this interesting view of it's like an interesting history lesson um in sort of this like social commentary way because I think that's interesting to know like this is what they thought about science and was it actually what they thought or is it the science fiction version of what they were thinking so or is it just really complicated or whatever it is I always find that interesting yeah well then it sounds I like you had a good book experience you absolutely should read it is what it sounds like okay um deal so the 1951 movie, so that's like, you know, post-World War II, pivotal few years happened there. Um, it has almost nothing to do with the story, and it has very little in common with the 82 movie. It is a complete outlier, and it's very goofy. It is a monster movie. Essentially, it's a Frankenstein and it does not shape shift and there's no uncertainty as to the identity of the characters. Um, it's literally, <laughs> it, they are saying it, it's like a monster. It's a, it's a monster from outer space, just like in the, the, the short story in the 82 movie, but it it is essentially plant based. Um, and so it's self healing and can be frozen indefinitely. Um, but it, it has no like shape shifting, at all and uh so yeah so the whole thing that i like about the thing was not present uh however oh it was like well made for a 50s movie the characters were kind of fun the dialogue was kind of snappy so it's kind of like an enjoyable romp but if you are looking for an experience that is at all related to or comparable to the thing then you're looking in the wrong place there was like so and also for no reason it took place in like alaska 
and towards the North Pole instead of Antarctica is like a lot less isolated of a location. And so there's but there's still a lot of like military people. Um, but then one of the main characters is a newspaper reporter who's like tagging along the whole time and wisecracking because he's trying to find a big story. And he just chanced upon when and they found this alien. Um, and there's a love interest because the secretary to the scientist on the base um, is a pretty lady and she likes the main military guy and they flirt. And there's a scene where they're going to have drinks and he says, like, if you tie me up, you can like, we can have drinks together. And she ties his wrists together uh, and they're like super flirty and weird. And the main scientist <laughs> is like a classic, like mad scientist, sort of like likable mad scientist. Like he, he is a likable character kind of, but he obviously is like willing to sacrifice anything to learn more about this alien discovery. Um, and so, yeah, there's a lot of like weird characters, um, but, it, and it, again, it has nothing to do with the thing, but it's kind of fun. So if you just want a kind of fun fifties monster movie, check it out. But have you watched a lot of fifties monster movies? Not a ton. I mean, I've seen mostly like the super mega classics, but not like, not like the huge back catalog of tons and tons of like, like, crabs from outer space and all that crazy oh yeah stuff. i mean there's a zillion i know um i i really haven't watched too many of them and i can't tell if i would find them to be sort of like entertaining roms or if i would um turn them off halfway through <laughs> because yeah. of how dated they are there's a scene where they're trying to kill it and they light it on fire and they throw a bunch of propane or something on it um and it they really were lighting a dude in a stunt suit on fire and it is a Boy. lot of fire in a enclosed space with a lot of actors. It was like a bold move to do in 1951, I think. Um, I thought it was that was a pretty impressive stunt kind of uh, considering. And like the, st- the set was lighting on fire and like tons of stuff. And, and I, I found out from the podcast, which did more research than I did, that the entire scene was only lit by that guy being on fire. And so they had like, they kept throwing more fuel on him to like bring the flames up so that they had enough light to like film the scene. Uh, Whoa. Yeah. It was like really crazy. Um, Some of that practical stuff is so again, very interesting and a, a lesson beyond the movie that is always interesting to talk about. Yeah. And learn about. Uh, and then just uh, as far as the thing goes, the 1982 movie, the one that everyone refers to as the thing, the, the main thing, I rewatching it. I actually liked it. I was less bothered by the grossness than I was originally. There's only a couple of scenes that are especially gross and cheesy. And I agree with the analysis that like, really like they look good when they're static, like, like they're doing an autopsy um, or it's like they discover the frozen carcass. Like it looks okay and gruesome and, and fine. But then when they try to animate them, like the dog transforming or the guy, any human transforming into a thing and attacking like that's when it's like too much and not fun to watch, I think, because it's so cheesy. Um, mm. But I like the plot a lot. And, and some of the tweaks that were made to the plot from the short story, I actually really appreciated, particularly in the short story. The the whole base is is the base that discovered the ship and the specimen uh, and they bring it back and they thaw it out and and that's when everything happens but in the movie if you recall the framing is actually that this all happened to the norwegian camp um uh of a neighboring like expedition and a dog that was the thing had escaped 
and they were chasing him in a helicopter and trying to kill the dog, but the dog made it all the way to the main character of the movie's base. Um, and then things go haywire from there. So like, and then they, they check, they find the remains of the ship and they find the remain, they go through the remains of the Norwegian camp. And so like, it's already half over at the start of the movie. So it just starts you. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. And so I thought that was really clever framing that made that it made it start up a lot faster than the short story and then the ending which is very famous for the thing is you you know you don't know if there's two humans left alive and you don't know if for sure if they're both human or uh one of them is the thing it they just end it ambiguously as far as like if if the thing won or the humans won if the humans win that just means they both freeze to death and die which is not the most optimistic happy ending um but in the uh, short story, I guess I won't spoil it if you're going to read it. I'll read it. Mm-hmm. So I won't I'll spoil it. it. Yeah, this is the one thing I will not spoil. Uh, but it is very, very different ending. Interesting. Uh, so overall, The Thing, thumbs up for me. Really like the short story. Like the 82 movie more than I used to. It is becoming a favorite horror of all time. And the 51 movie was entertaining but dumb. I'm, I just also have to say this is a very cool thing for that podcast to be doing. I think that's awesome because, like, you get involved and you can benefit from their research. And it, again, is sort of doing what we like to do of just having a list of things to work through and learn more about and deep dive into something. Yeah. Very cool idea for a pod. Yeah, I loved it. And um, obviously, yeah, as I said, they've done it on, mostly on video games because it's a very video game focused thing. And this is their first, like, cross-media one. And, like, they had um... – <laughs> They had the son of the director of the 51 movie came on and spoke for a while. They did like a mini interview with him because apparently the family, like people, whenever people see things that are faced about the thing from another world, like they like forward it to the family. And so he got wind that this podcast was happening. And so it's like, Hey, if you want to talk, you know, we could, I could call in. And so it's kind of fun hearing, you know, like, yeah, I remember when dad did this thing. That was cool. Um, so when the set lit on fire. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so I have like, (laughs) Obviously, this podcast has no such resources or reach. Um, so, sorry. But if you want, check out MinMax. Uh, moving right along. Let's talk about Lovecraft Country. Uh, um, this one was definitely my idea because I had just seen so many ads on Twitter and stuff about it. And I'm like kind of... I have not read any uh, Lovecraft. I've only seen some uh, other movies that are in the same universe. And I've played some board games in the universe. Uh, but I, I'm not super intimately familiar with Lovecraftian horror, but I have an interest in it. Uh, and the executive produced by Jordan Peele and JJ Abrams was appealing. And obviously HBO oftentimes goes over the top with their, you know, budget and production values. So I was like, yeah, sure. I'll check this out. So I was pretty, pretty excited about it, but didn't really know much about it other than it looked kind of pretty. Uh, and so we, we both watched this one. What did you think? Yeah, same. Um, I was excited when you suggested it, because I, I feel like they had a Twitter presence, didn't they? So I didn't know anything about it, but had seen it a bunch. Um, I have read collected stories by Lovecraft. I don't think I was their intended audience, so fair enough. But they are um, sometimes creepy and always weird and um, sort of, yeah, mildly familiar with the Lovecraftian horror in the same way. Um, I really, really liked the first episode a lot. I overall enjoyed the whole thing um and my sort of takeaway was both that it was quite good and well done and that it is very hard to write um a cohesive series and do it well and I kept sort of thinking that it was important and dumb at the same time 
<laughs> I think that's fair. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I thought it started off very strong as well. I liked the setup and the premise and the characters, um, a fair amount, but I think you, you mentioned right at the beginning when we both started watching it, uh, that you have not seen much at all of American Horror Story, the anthology. Correct. I've seen like just a couple episodes Mm -hmm. and you were wondering kind of the comparison, uh, because that is an anthology horror series with a similar season length as this. And I think, yes, it is an apt comparison because what the problem that I often have with American Horror Story is that it is an interesting setup uh, and it's fun to have scares every now and then, but they try to do too much. They go so many different directions that that it is impossible to tie together. And so I think that's kind of what happened with Lovecraft Country. It was very, very cool setup, very well, like constructed well made as far as the actual production the acting was good and and it was very pretty and fun to watch um but they there there's so many different crazy things that happen which again i i assume you have to expect when you're dealing with lovecraft lovecraftian story but it it was there were just so many disparate elements that were they were trying to tie together that i thought it was a little too much and it might have been better if it was a little tighter um Completely. It felt like they introduced a bunch of stuff and then in like the last three episodes were like, oh, but what we actually care about is this. Like the main character is going to die unless we solve it. Like they sort of just were like, forget the rest of that stuff and we'll just focus on this. Um, And I think that's the only way that they could have brought it together, but it did make it feel pretty disparate. Um, The thing that it did consistently well, in my opinion, um, was like, as Gary and I kept saying to each other, race was the scariest thing like the horror was never very scary in it um except for i was a little freaked out by those dancing girls and that sort of curse and some of the magic was dark and that you can't escape magic um but just like the racial tension of our country especially in the 50s and 60s um was the bleakest part for sure and and often very scary and i thought that's what the first episode did really well and there were other moments of that of just like being black in a white space is actually the biggest horror that there is. And I thought that that was tremendous. Um, Some of the stuff that didn't resonate with me that felt too broad. um, I did sort of question if I was again, maybe not the intended audience, like um, some of the, like the mom going into space, a lot of that felt (laughs) just like powerful black imagery. And that's fantastic. And also felt cheesy to me, but maybe would read differently to, um, someone who wasn't my white self. Right. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was an, that was a, a consistently interesting element of it um, for me, but yes, the, they sure did a lot of things. They sure did a lot of things. Yeah. Um, I agree. Yeah. I specifically thought that that part was a little bit cheesy, like the, the dimension and space hopping uh, mm-hmm. side quest. Um, I, the one thing that the Kumiho side plot with in Korea um I thought that part was, it was obviously far afield, but I actually really enjoyed that part. And I really liked that character a lot. Um, so Me like, too. I thought that that was terrific. And then I thought that they sort of like forgot about her and then used her. I, I felt like she didn't have a enough of a story yes. after that really good episode of her. Yep. Agreed. Yeah. Like, uh, she would like had all the, the gang had to get together at the end for the finale um, but, right. but but in between, yeah, there was very little with her. Uh, as far as comparison, so yeah, with, with race being the scariest thing, I, I agree for sure. And again, that definitely with like the first couple of episodes um, the most. Uh, and so that brings 
natural comparisons to me, of course, to Jordan Peele's other movies. Um, and yeah. also the Watchmen, um, which was last year on HBO. And so that was the graphically violent superhero genre piece that was actually about race as opposed to the graphically violent Lovecraftian horror series about those actually about race. And I, I think that, um, and both were very weird and had a lot going on and tried to tie together a lot of elements, but I, I thought that I liked the Watchmen in the end a lot better. And so I think that if you're looking for that fix, uh, the Watchmen pulled it all together in a more satisfying way. And I, I super liked the Watchmen and I, appreciated Lovecraft country and, and it had a good time watching it. But overall, I, I don't know if it was necessarily successful, uh, certainly not t- top to bottom. Yeah. I think it just, anytime I watch those like short series and I'm excited to watch the Watchmen, I haven't seen it yet. Um, it just, writing is a really powerful tool, right? And it is hard. It is hard to land that plane um, of a short series and, and really write in a really successful way. And it makes me appreciate when it, does happen because it is a rare thing, even with stuff that is enjoyable to watch, like Lovecraft Country. Um, I really liked the soundtrack soundtrack of Lovecraft Country. I liked that they didn't limit themselves to um, period music and that they used some period music and some contemporary music. I thought that was sort of cool. Yeah, I, I liked it a lot as well. And again, that definitely reminds me of Jordan Peele's movies, like having really mm-hmm. powerful contemporary music um, juxtaposed with what's going on in the screen. So speaking of tying it all together, Here's here's mm. a gripe I have, uh, and I would like your thoughts. So the finale itself, the final episode, again, massive spoilers. Don't listen if you're going to watch this. I felt like it was not – it was very muddled what their plan was to try to prevail and what they were going to do. Uh, and they just like – and I couldn't tell if it was just either A – kind of confusingly put together B I wasn't paying enough attention or C they deliberately were hiding the ball because they wanted you to be surprised by an alleged twist at the end. Um, Mm -hmm. I did not feel that the thing that happened at the very end was a twist. I thought it was like very clear the whole time that that's what actually was going to happen. So I don't think it was C. I think it was just kind of muddled. What did you think? Did you think they made it very clear what their intentions were and I was dumb? No. No, I think it was, I think it was quite muddled. And I think that that, yeah, I felt like they, I felt like what the goal that they were chasing kept changing throughout. Um, Not that the characters changed their minds, but that the story was sort of like, oh, actually what's important is this. Actually what's important is that. And I think in that, in the last two episodes, sort of, they were like, I guess we will learn this magic and, and this will be our plan. But I don't think they ever explained it. Cause I think they were sort of like, oh shoot, we got to have them have hope still to figure out something. So yeah. let's give them these, a couple cool spells to do um, and not explain it. Cause I don't think they explained it. Okay, good. I'm glad that I didn't just not pay close attention. Mm, I think it was just so, uh, narrower specifically. Is it at all clear how Letty got her invulnerability back? Like right when she needed it, her scar reappeared and she, and the magic was back in her. I sort of thought that somehow she no it was not clear to be to answer the question it was not clear i think i was like oh they they must have done a spell i didn't see like what she or atticus did a spell right then is what i felt got so good at the magic that she could give herself invulnerability is sort of what i thought happened maybe okay 
Yeah, I don't. But I don't know. That's that was me explaining it because it didn't make sense. Yeah, that was not. I was a, like, that must have been what happened. <laughs> that certainly wasn't on the screen anyway. But no, yeah, no, yeah. I thought my the the rationalization that I came up with is something to the effect of like the main bad lady Christina is it? Um, she yeah. like because she was undergoing her crazy spell like. It like kind of like reactivated her previous magic or something like that. Like she, because she was becoming all powerful, like everything that, that she had touched was kind of like equally amped up or something. Um, Because they kind of like were cutting between Christina and Letty a lot. And so I thought that they were trying to make a connection, but it didn't make sense to me anyway. Oh, well, love Grand Munchie. Enjoyable and go ahead and check it out. But not important, but dumb. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Next, I want to talk about Shirley. Uh, (laughs) What was your noise there? I, I went into Shirley knowing nothing. I knew nothing except that it was about Shirley Jackson. Not my favorite movie. Not my favorite movie. And for reasons we talked about a little bit before, it did its vibe. It was sort of just about nothing. It definitely implied that it would be more thrilling. Um, and I think it was just sort of weird and then nothing. Another one that I wish that wasn't it just about that it wasn't just about sex because it sort of was in some ways between various characters. Um, and then I also, I'm someone, I've read a lot of Shirley Jackson and I, including her autobiography that was essays about living in this house that the movie is in with her family, including children who were not in the movie. Um, and she certainly was a sort of an interesting and troubled woman, but she was interesting and troubled because she was balancing being a housewife and being sort of a genius writer. Um, and I thought this movie was just like, she's just, crazy go with that elizabeth moss and that's all that they did yes uh so yeah uh extremely similar like kind of pretty um but empty vibe that i got from the other land like they're they're very similar in my mind those two movies as far as like kind of making you think they might actually go for something and then they just kind of go through the motions and then end um so i also did not love it I was shocked. Do you know what the Metacritic is for Shirley? No, it's going to be so high. 76. Oh, boy. Um, It's not about anything. Yeah. And so also, as you said, the trailer, I watched the trailer when you, uh, did I say this one? This is the one I was most unsure if I suggested or you suggested. I think I did. I I think you suggested it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because we were talking so much about. House on Hun Hill, and um, obviously, I know you have a general interest in Shirley Jackson, and yes. like, oh, and uh, so I was like, oh, so I watched the trailer, and the trailer made it seem like it was going to be a thriller about Shirley and her husband and the t- and the young couple that move in with them, and so it looked like it was like it kind of had like um, is it called the guest or whatever? It kind of like yeah, mm-hmm. it had like the it, the trailer made it seem like it would have the guest vibe, and it would be like this older couple, like pre like taking in a family, maybe molding them after themselves or something, somehow taking deep, dark advantage of them. And then something horrific and, and bad happens. And it was like absolutely nothing like that at all. And so I, I thought that the trailer was actively misleading, um, which is pretty disappointing. Yeah, that's disappointing. And and I felt like when I recognized that, I guess it wasn't going to be a thriller, that there were moments in the movie which I think was a female director and writer. Yes. Um, it felt like it was applauding itself about sort of like saying something about like womanhood or being a woman in this time. And it just wasn't. I, I think 
maybe it's the history major in me, but I think if they had stuck more to some of the actual facts of her life story, some of those things about like, you know, that the, the young wife sort of has to become a housewife for the whole family and how Shirley is looked down upon by other women in the town because she's a writer and just sort of comes off as crazy. Um, but the movie didn't do anything with that in a way that um, actually achieved anything because they just made the choice that Shirley was crazy um, or dealing with like various psychoses. And so to have the town sort of think that she was, she was, the movie showed us that she was. So um, I felt it felt like it was applauding itself for commentary when actually it could have made like very different choices and um, done some actual commentary that would have read better in my opinion. Yeah. It just was about nothing really. And, and was a caricature is what it felt like. Yeah. To me. Yeah, she was just crazy. The husband just sucked. Yeah, uh, was, men bad. <laughs> it was bad. She crazy, but also somehow like very sexually attractive to the young woman, which was not my favorite. Yeah. Ugh. Um, and here's a very minor quibble. And again, you being more, you know, a bigger fan of hers, and uh, assume I have you read multiple books of hers. Besides I have. Just yes. Haunting? Okay, so I, a dum dum, instantly. And exclusively think of Haunting of Hill House when I think of Shirley Jackson. To me, it is that is like I know that she wrote a bunch of stuff. And when I when I read about her, it's like, oh my god, over two hundred short stories in like six or seven novels or whatever. She was very prolific. But like as far as anything that she is especially known for, a thousand percent it is Haunting of Hill House in my mind. Like if like if you like on Spotify, you know how if you like look at an album and they have the little bar that fills up as far as like how popular an individual song is. Yeah, totally. In my mind, Haunting of Hill House would be all the way pegged on the right end and like everything else would be like a one or two out of ten as far as like how well known they are. Uh, a tiny quibble, but the official trailer uh, on, on uh, YouTube for this movie says renowned horror writer Shirley Jackson is on the precipice of writing her masterpiece when the arrival of newlyweds upends her meticulous routine and heightens tension in her already tempestuous relationship with her philandering husband. Her masterpiece. It it was about Hangzaman, which is about like a girl getting lost that I had not very low knowledge of. I, I thought I kind of thought that it was going to be about her writing haunting of Hill house because of the description of the trailer, which and probably it... would have been a better movie <laughs> too, I think. Um, yeah. So I also, I mean, I'm not by no means an expert, but I have read, I, I would say on the Spotify meter, absolutely haunting of Hill house would be fully up. I would say the one below that would be, we have always lived in the castle would probably be like halfway up um, the, among people who are big readers. That is like sort of, if you've read the one, you've read the other, if you're familiar with Shirley Jackson, you probably know that one. And then personally, and this could be my own ignorance as well, but then everything else would be completely unknown, including that. And so maybe it was a critical masterpiece or something, but yeah, I just feel like they made some very strange choices to base it on that part of her life. And um, to take the kids out, I yeah, why call that? I think it would have been interesting to have her writing the thing that everyone knows her for, because um, I agree. Even for those of us who know Shirley Jackson, I don't – I was like, what book are they talking about the whole time? Yeah, they uh, – I looked also at her IMDb. Like, she didn't, like, win any awards for Hangzaman compared to a bunch of other stuff. Like, her sh other short story – obviously short stories, um, but also some other books also – 
won awards and hangs moon was not listed on her imdb of like a major, winning a major literary award for like it just seemed like yeah it was crazy yeah. to me anyway so i didn't think it was very good at all and jen also no. did not like it no uh, do not no, recommend i didn't and it was so dirty i didn't yeah like it did i think it sort of did its vibe and then i stopped liking the vibe and so i didn't i had probably less enjoyment of that one than the other lamb even i agree i liked the other lamb mm-hmm. better even though neither were my favorite however that mm-hmm. having watched that does allow me to make the smoothest transition known to man let's talk about haunting of blind manor which is the next in the anthology series that started with haunting of hill house but it has nothing to do with shirley jackson or the haunting of hill house book it is just a completely unrelated ghost story and it is somehow the second season of the same series anyway uh so it's kind of I mean, there are a lot of actors and, and showrunners and stuff in common. The people are in common, but plot-wise, maybe there was something very subtle that I missed. But it is uh, very unrelated to Haunting of Hill House, which I enjoyed a fair amount a couple years ago. Um, I, I thought it had flaws, uh, but overall, I enjoyed watching it a lot, and I'm glad we did it. Uh, and Haunting of Bly Manor was very different. What are your thoughts on Haunting of Bly Manor? Yeah, I completely agree with that. Um, I in enjoyed the experience of watching haunting of bly manor because i am into that kind of thing creepy manor house british setting yeah oh really this is british i didn't know yeah what oh my gosh yeah it's like made for me um into that that it's haunted i liked haunting of hill house but agree it had flaws another one that like couldn't land the plane at the end i think had a lot of very cool setup and um just got super sentimental at the end um so I'm not sad to have watched Haunting of Bly Manor, but oh boy, was it a whole lot worse than Haunting of Hill House. Um, It was just not very well written and was sort of inconsistent. And it wasn't scary. Like, they just, it didn't have enough ghost story in it. I was watching for the ghost story. I like your lovable characters. I was watching for the ghost story. Yeah. And that wasn't there. It was so much worse. Uh, Here are some chronological beefs. (laughs) Or, you know, episode Yeah, no, totally. So, So first of all, the framing of this is insane. It has a middle to older aged lady played by Carla Gugino at a rehearsal dinner saying, oh, I have a ghost story to tell after dinner. Will you sit and stay a while? And so then she tells this like... It might take some time, she like, says. The show is like nine or ten hours long. So she tells this like nine or ten hour long story to all these post dinner people who are just waiting for a wedding to start the next morning, and it was like hilarious. I mean, they tried they tried to tie it in with the people that take that are in the story. Uh, so obviously, there's a reason that she's telling this particular story to this particular audience. Um, but it was so dumb, and 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 so Carla Gugino occasionally narrates overall, like you know, kind of an omniscient presence um but not which is always. a setup i i don't like anyway and then i especially i didn't like it because it felt like such a stretch in this one as you say and then i didn't like it even when they were like this is why we did it at the end it was such a fucking sentimental thing um that was just sort of lame to me and and not necessary and heavy-handed and throughout the entire thing the accent work was terrible <laughs> 
That's very accurate. Especially Carla Gugino's one of the worst in the lot. Uh, it was very bad. So uh, the hilarious Twitter comedian Demi. Hello, Pat here. Um, at this point in the original recording, I attempted to say Demi's last name, and I hadn't prepared, and I was terrible, and I felt it was disrespectful, so I wanted to do a correction here. His last name is Adejuibe. Demi Adejuibe. I'm sorry, Demi, for slaughtering your name. That was disrespectful. You're the best. You're hilarious. His name is Electra Lemon on Twitter. He does the sep- September music videos every year, um, mm. which are awesome. He did a bunch of tweets about this, and uh, the first one was, <laughs> here's my impression of the guy in charge of all the accents on The Haunting of Bly Manor. What's England? <laughs> uh, they were so bad. And not they weren't limited to the English accents being bad. The main character is an American abroad in England. And so she becomes an au pair for this, uh, this rich couple of kids whose parents are dead. And she has a really weird American accent the whole time. It sounds like she's trying to do like a Minnesota accent for no reason or something. Like she, I, I thought she was supposed to be like a Valley girl. I thought it was supposed to be California. I mean, it obviously not successful either way. I'll be honest. It was so bad. Uh, it was just disorienting. I thought um, the gardener, who is a very lovely character, slightly. I would definitely say better accent work. She had an accent, but it was like not distractingly bad. I thought she looked a lot like Kate McKinnon. But wasn't Kate McKinnon, and that was weird. Mm-hmm. Um, and the um, the cook looked like the guy who played Ted Mosby on uh, How I Met Your Mother, but Indian. Interesting. Okay, I have I actually uh, didn't watch How Josh I Met Redner. Your Mother, but uh, Josh Redner, that's, Redner, that's I think fun. Is the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, I enjoy mm-hmm. a, a good cross uh, nationality re- reference. Look like mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um, yeah, and so there's a bunch of little plot stuff that is dumb. I I thought it was very. So there's like a magical phrase that like solves the problem that is so stupid. Like that was like the dumbest ending that they could have come up with. I hated it. And then there, then there's essentially like an epilogue that's like several years afterwards, and that was dumb. They do not age the characters at all. They just update their clothing, and it's supposed to be like almost a decade passes. Um, and they're but then they look completely different when they're old people. So yeah, like... they're like un unrecognizable. A few years after the middle section chronologically um and i thought it was very like kind of funny and heavy-handed like the two main characters are lesbians who love each other and they get in a loving relationship and like at one point in the middle chronological section she, she says i know we can't technically get married and it was like it just seemed like such a like anachronistic like someday we'll be able to get married but we can't right now so let's have a union sort of thing it just seemed like very uh, infeasible um here are some other funny tweets by demi <laughs> here's my impression of the writers behind the haunting of Bland minor okay so these what do you call them children those things are like what 45 50 years old <laughs> uh the way the kids spoke the, and there's like a plot based reason that they sometimes speak very weird because of course they're being like possessed by spirits because it's a spooky haunted house but even when they're not being possessed by spirits they speak like aliens and it is so weird even if you're even if you give them the benefit of the doubt that they are like very rich very educated posh british children they do not speak like any humans no that's accurate uh yeah it was bad and the one thing i liked so in haunting of hill house um the overall plot structure hey 
spoiler for Haunting of Hill House, which I guess would not be in the timestamps because we're not actually talking about it. But like one of the big um, plot points is kind of like a causation time loop issue um, mm. with with one of the main characters being one of the ghosts that's haunting everyone. And so it was pretty, I thought that was fun. Uh, having not been familiar with the overall story, I thought that was cool. Uh, and, and I, you kind of suspect that there's some weirdness going on with who's doing what with Haunting of Hill House, but I thought it was like cool and, and a little surprising to me. Um, so in this one, they try to do something kind of like that as well. Uh, and it's stupid. <laughs> uh, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. There's a lot of time jumping and like memory jumping, going to 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 dream, being to, being put away for a while, or whatever it is. And it was all stupid. the The haunting mechanics, like what ghosts are able to do, is is like seemingly inconsistent. There's no real rule set there. Um, I did, so, but the one part that I did like that was kind of twist. Like I suspected, um, that the housekeeper was probably dead or something. Uh, the whole time. And it was turned out that she was, but then like, so when they first kind of hinted strongly at that, I was like, oh, cool. That's fun that they did that little twist. But then they like really tried to explain the nitty gritty details of a lot of the haunting stuff. And it was so dumb. And you, uh, when I, so after I had seen the cool part of that, I was like, oh, that's fun. And I texted you saying like, yeah, I'm like three quarters through and like, I thought that part was cool. And you're like, wait until you get to the second to last episode. <laughs> um, so what were your feelings on the second to last episode? It was like the worst episode of television in a thing that I was like not a pre- not thinking was amazing but like was sort of enjoying and so I was like on board to go along with this thing that had so many flaws in it right um and then we got to that second to last episode which I for a part of it thought was the last episode so that obviously made me a little bit angry but it was so bad talk about I I know I mentioned with relic that I was disappointed and always I'm disappointed when movies don't have explanations for them. But this was like, we are going to explain so hard about this one ghost. And we're going to do it in this like cheesy tableau way, but then get really nitty gritty. I thought that that whole thing could have been like a five minute. I don't know. There was a lady who lost her daughter and she just keeps coming. And instead it was what like 45 minutes of badly acted black and white television it was so bad yeah they, it was they, so bad they wanted to re- so really make you understand the genesis of all these ghosts sticking around and so they did a very bad entire episode that was in flashback narrated by bad accent carla gugino Whew. it was so bad it was so bad and i think that made me like again i was there were things that I was disappointed in and not liking, but I was still sort of like, okay, like it's not coming together exactly like I wanted. The time loop thing is not really working for me, but like maybe it will like, maybe they're ramping up to the scary. And instead they just explained all the scary away with this really deep explanation. And it made me question everything else because I felt like they were like, see all these other ghosts. And I was like, you haven't used any of those other ghosts. Like they just, it felt like maybe the writer's, decided that they really liked these characters and won't it be fun to like show a queer love story. And they just focused on that and forgot that they were writing something that had the haunting in the title. Um, Yeah, man, it was a bad. And then the last episode was so sentimental. Yeah. I just didn't, I was, I was willing to go there haunting of Bly Manor and you were bad at delivering me to where I wanted to go. Yep. So the ending had like a million, essentially 
like half of the final episode was like epilogue and yeah, it just kept coming and <laughs> uh, like so that they had to like obviously try to tie together why Carla Gugino was telling this story to all these people uh, with the story itself. And so they go into much more depth on the wedding itself and the people at the wedding. And <laughs> there's a scene. Oh my God. That was like the, I honestly think it was worse than the eighth episode. Um, I thought everything about the epilogue was, was extra bad. Um, but the, the scene that stuck out to me as the worst scene in the whole season was when after the main narrator was done telling her story to a crowd for presumably about nine or 10 hours straight. Um, <laughs> she's talking to the bride afterwards, the day before her wedding. <laughs> and so she's like asking her, say like, you know, I don't, Oh, she said like, you know what? You, I loved your story, but you, you said that you messed it up right at the beginning. You said it was a ghost story, but I think it was a love story. And so then she's like, and so then they get all mushy and stuff. But the bride at one point starts bawling because she's so excited for her wedding, but she's sad that her husband will die. And what will it be like after, before they're married, they're like in their twenties. She's like sentimentally over the top bawling because she's envisioning her husband dying in the future. And I thought that was so stupid. It was uh, so stupid. She's just a very uncomfortable woman to look at too. I don't know. Yeah, I did. That was really dumb. Did you, when did you figure out who um, the narrator was? Did that happen? Was it not told that the end or did you figure out one of the bad accent times? Yeah. That's what clued me in. Exactly. Yeah. They, they, she was doing a bad imitation of the accent that the gardener had. Like it was, yes. uh, and, and they kind of like, like not her, her appearance looked nothing like the appearance of the gardener, but like her like hair and her like insouciant demeanor like seemed like it was cut. So like, I'd say in the middle-ish, I was like, oh, mm-hmm. this is what they're trying to do. This is why she's telling this story. Um, and so then I figured the house guests were probably also them. Uh, and and then at the very, before the very end, when they really hammered home. Uh, that all these <laughs> in people, case you hadn't gotten it. Uh, mm-hmm. They said like, there was like a part where they were like, and yeah, the kids, they forgot everything about this haunting. They just, all they remember is like the fact that they lived at Bly Manor and they don't remember any of the bad stuff. It's, it's such a blessing essentially. It was like, Oh my God, that's what you're doing. Like <laughs> these, the stories about them and they don't remember any of it because of magic. Oh, it was so stupid. And that was the, the time that they didn't remember. It was only like a couple years after they like went through years of horrifying spirit visits. Um, Right. Years and years, yeah. years and years. And um, yeah, and then I so truly like after those last episodes, I started just like being mad about other stuff, like all the threads that they dropped. Like, I don't understand, like the dolls that she had, like weren't possessed or anything. I guess it was like that little the little ghost boy was moving them to warn her about different stuff. Like, I felt like they were just they were like, oh, and also these scary dolls that tell her when the water uh, lady is uh, moving. Uh, excuse me, they're talismans. Okay, okay, yeah, talismans. Yeah, I just I got mad about I again. They planted some seeds. They did very very poorly with them. They just like salted the earth instead. Um, and I was very disappointed in how it turned out. Is that a gardening metaphor? <laughs> are they are they moonflowers? <laughs> that's a, that's an inside reference for you, Bly Manor fans out there. <clears throat> okay, uh, oh, of the, of the movies in common, 
the last one I'm saving is The Invisible Man. And I'm saving it for last not because it is especially good, but because it has so much in common with all these other things we talked about. And those things are these. One, it is modestly spooky. Two, it is starring Elizabeth Moss. That's the most obvious one, who is also the star of Shirley. Three, it is starring the no-name actor who was one of the- That man. (laughs) Yeah, the man who was evil in Bly Manor is evil in The Invisible Man. Uh, He is a tall, very strong young man who is good at looking evil. Uh, And three, this is the- uh, Four, this is the biggest stretch. (laughs) But it was- It it honestly- uh, I'm afraid even to say it out loud, so please don't judge me. I find it distracting when characters in movies or TV shows are inexplicably extremely jacked. And both Lovecraft Country and The Invisible Man had a main character who was like a weightlifter but was supposed to be just an ordinary person. It was even more inexplicable in Lovecraft Country because he was supposed to be like a dorky guy who liked science fiction and he went to in, he went to Korea for the war and came back, but he was just like super mega jacked for his whole life for no reason. And Invisible Man, he's supposed to be a cop. And so you like say, okay, he could try to be fit for his job, but he was like busting out of his shirts the whole uh, movie and uh, same with the guy from Lovecraft Country. And so I was like, ah, there's like a fill-in for the Lovecraft Country guy too. Uh, those are those are my threads that I am... Uh, and that guy, by the way, is the one who played um, Voodoo the quarterback voodoo in uh friday night lights the tv show so he was he was, it, was, it was fun to see him again uh haven't seen him in a while and he, he is keeping in shape that's what i learned did um atticus from lovecraft country being jacked become less distracting as it went on i felt like at first it was like this guy is like too jacked and like handsome to be the character that he says he is and then i thought he was actually like a pretty good actor and so he became sort of like more diminutive in how he was acting to me like he became less distractingly jacked to me as the show went on oh that's another oh my god it's another uh combination the uh girl uh the girlfriend in lovecraft country was also from friday night lights just like oh that. really yeah oh, um so lights connection yeah uh i didn't i never stopped being distracted uh i thought mm-hmm. all of the performances in lovecraft country were really good like all of the acting was good and obvi- all the production was good like it was well made and the people did a good job making it uh which you cannot say for for instance hunting by manor um <laughs> so i definitely think he did a very good job acting but i was still distracted by how ridiculously buff he was the whole time i'm invisible man i liked it i don't think it's like an amazing movie but it was definitely it was uh spookier than i thought i knew nothing about that as well i tend to go into these just sort of knowing nothing and it definitely was spookier and i thought part of what was spooky was stuff that is fun in like haunting movies haunting of by manner if you had a ghost at all who did anything spooky um was that sometimes like you that we didn't know when the invisible man was there and like some of the camera pans especially before we sort of knew what his jam was and how he operated um of being like am i looking for something like is something gonna jump out is something gonna happen and move i thought that that was pretty cleverly done and i also thought it was like relatively well written in comparison to a few things like i think i liked it better than several other movies on this list this round um for what it was like not an award-winning movie at all but a sort of exciting movie to watch and its plot holes came like sort of towards the end for me a little bit but i enjoyed it as a thrilling movie to watch what did you think yes i feel similarly i am going to give this a uh, compliment sandwich here 
Uh, I think it was essentially, except for the thing that I'm about to complain about, it was exactly what it purported to be. It was a dumb, fun thriller about an invisible guy being bad. Um, so I think it, it, it achieved its goals very well. And so if this is what you want to watch, I think it did a good job. It executed on the plan. Um, I, 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 yeah, I agree. It was like one of the better things we watched or more enjoyable things we watched anyway. Um, however, having said that it's, it made the mistake, especially at the very, very end of thinking it was clever Mm -hmm. and it was very stupid (laughs) and so i i i wish that it didn't mistake itself for a clever movie um and the ending was very obvious and i couldn't believe i i really thought that that was a fake out ending because it was so obvious and dumb and then the movie ended and i was like oh they thought that was like a clever twist oh my god it's over um but but again yeah it was slick it was uh it achieved i wrote down as I was, I was taking some of these things I took notes on while I was watching them. Some of them, I just tried to write some summaries afterwards. I took notes while watching it last night at midnight. Cause I had to finish up my horror movie homework. Um, the opening credits of the invisible man are very dumb and they, they set the tone exactly right <laughs> because they're dumb. They, it is an opening scene it's the it's an it's a cliff it's an ocean there's waves crashing against a big rock in the middle of the ocean or at the at the shore you know uh not the middle of the ocean and when the wave crashes it makes a very spooky scary noise and then the the wave crashes up and then the water falls down and it reveals the letters that are hidden there of the credits themselves like the you know Universal Pictures presents. Blah, blah, blah. That is right. I forgot that this happened. And, and it was great. and it was so cheesy and dumb, but slick. That is like, oh, this is going to be this movie. This is going to be like a throwback to like a '90s slickly produced horror movie that it has no substance. And that's exactly what it did. I was like on board and had my expectations set exactly right because of how cheesy the opening like ten seconds of this movie were. So, yeah, and I I wrote down I did not that was that is a very insightful comment because that's so true. Um, I wrote down just that the bar was really low for this one, and it cleared it for sure. Like I, you know, I think where the bar was probably higher for some of the other ones, and that's maybe why I didn't enjoy them very much. But yeah, I think I think you're right that if it hadn't found itself clever, if it sort of had leaned into it stupid, it could have been an even better like it could have been a better movie of just embracing that it just is what it is and is fun. Um, the plot hole that really bugged me was that, um, to me, when she like fights him in the hospital and he fights all the guards who are trying to stop both her and him, like that hospital has cameras everywhere. Like I don't know why. Like yeah, that the, should have been the end of the movie. The like, cameras were like what happened. The cameras were on the screen. Like it, they weren't even like hiding the ball. Yeah, like, no, it was like this is a high sure cameras. This is a high security was... psychiatric facility for like the criminally insane, essentially. And yeah, there's cameras completely. all over the place. And like and then it's like, oh, this this invisible man is doing bad things and things are flying all over the place. Um, but then the cop was like, We don't have enough evidence to say that an invisible man was there. And it's like literally you have like minutes of tape of an invisible man doing bad things that often like showed him, I don't know. So that was that was a frustrating point in this which is a dumb thing to pick apart because it was just sort of a dumb movie. But um 
I enjoyed it. And I also found it a bit more unsettling than expected. Um, I think because of the angle of just like a woman being stalked by a man and that in this instance, he was like truly inescapable. Um, I think Gary watched this one with me and he was just sort of like, yeah, that was a pretty dumb movie. And I was like, oh, I was sort of freaked out by it. Um, and I wondered if that was sort of a, a gender difference, which doesn't have to be. Um, but be, just because I do think that that is that was the creepy part of that one is this woman sort of inescapably being haunted by a, just a really terrible man. Yeah. Um, but then otherwise it was just sort of a dumb movie. Um, but yeah, I liked it. I liked it for what it was. And here's the thing. This is why I set this up. Our, our call started approximately an hour late because I was trying to do an unnecessarily complicated technical setup as often happens. You probably weren't shocked because I thought, in the vein of it being a successful movie at what it was trying to do, it being slickly produced, the effects were fine. The, uh, you know, the, everything was fine. The score was exactly what you need for this sort of movie. It was very loud and dumb, but spooky. And so I want to play this little clip from when an attack happens on how loud and dumb, but perfect the score is. Enjoy. There you go. Just a bunch of spooky noise just thrown at the wall. We need like dying elephants. <laughs> you make a sound. Really loud elephants. Yeah. Uh, no, I, that's good. I loved it. That guy, mm-hmm. he does a lot of uh, good scores of, of uh, spooky things. Let's pull him up again, shall we? <clears throat> he's clearly good at what he's doing. Yeah, no, he achieved his goals just like everyone else who participated in the creation of this movie his name is benjamin walfish or walfisk um he did the blade runner 2049 score which was good oh mm-hmm. he did it chapters one and two he did the new hellboy he did shazam he did <laughs> shazam he did a- uh, annabelle creation part of the conjuring universe he did lights out yeah he oh did- we watched lights out yeah we did that was a few years Mm -hmm. ago another dumb but straightforward uh Mm -hmm. so anyway my i tip my hat to that man way to go you you made it figured out his career you made a job man uh a couple other just humorous nitpicks to me because i feel like it um first of all they they indicated that so i don't I, i was a little bit unclear what the relationship was between the characters was the cop like the ex-husband of the sister? I think there was another sister who died. Okay. Mm-hmm. So anyway, the this guy is a detective apparently in the San Francisco area. And somehow he is assigned to the case of investigating his like sister-in-law. Uh, it was so unbelievable to me that he was going to be the one on the case in there and he's like left alone with her to talk about the case and stuff and it was just like very silly like why would you, why would yes. you do that 
I always uh, it kind of it jumped out to me at the beginning that the home was like in every movie, just like, uh, you know, people being ridiculously jacked is distracting to me. Like every movie has like ridiculously nice homes that are inexplicable. And like this home is like mega nice. It is like on a cliff and like wall to ceiling glass. And like, there's, <laughs> there's like a bedroom just in the, in the middle of all this glass the, the house. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and, but then they like made it is like, okay, this guy's like a big executive in an optics company. So like, all right, fine. Um, and the last thing was that this guy who is like a psychopath and is chasing Elizabeth Moss, um, you know, and like what, I guess he was supposed to be obsessed with her, not just like have animosity towards her, but I guess it was like an obsession. But anyway, his passcode for his ultra secret, perfect invisibility suit to get into the room was the day that the date that they met uh elizabeth moss and the guy and i thought and she guessed it was like her second guess um and it was the stupidest thing <laughs> like, uh, that was quite lame yeah, yeah very true um but anyway it was very enjoyable and dumb that is my i do recommend mm-hmm. the invisible man if that sounds like your cup of tea and you want to listen to very loud music yeah it's quite loud that's true that's true so um that was that was our slate of things that we watched together that was a lot I hope people are enjoying this. Um, <laughs> I'm enjoying it. I and I enjoyed watching them, but I was I I do I leave our slate uh, feeling like I wasn't scared enough this season. But probably my nighttime sleep appreciates that I won't have like needing to run home, run home, run back to my bed from the bathroom uh, nightmare things, which happened last year. Yeah, I, I feel like it was a down year on the spookiness mm-hmm. and and arguably the quality um mm-hmm. yes it was it wasn't a great slate top to bottom especially disappointing i think were uh relic and shirley and bly manor um yeah. but you know there, there's some good stuff i still there. i still yeah i still like doing it i liked the vibes yeah uh and then there's a couple of other things that i watched uh just in the past 12 months since the last halloween special uh that i just wanted to roll off real fast um for those that are interesting two of them are pretty fun or interesting i think so i'll save those for last. so two dumb ones that are very similar to each other are reanimator and in the mouth of madness both based on lovecraft stories um both were cheesy and gross and bad uh so they were (laughs) they were like if you amp up the bad stuff of the thing and don't have any of the good stuff of the thing um, mm. that's what they were. So reanimator is like a Frankenstein sort of, uh, well, not, not, not Frankenstein in the way that the thing 51 movie was, but like trying to an- reanimate the dead with science, uh, story, but everything is bad and goes wrong and it was terrible. I did not like it at all, but it's considered like a classic and it has a really cool cover on the Blu-ray and uh, the art is so good. And I was disappointed and in the mouth of madness, is much more straightforward, like classic, uh, what you'd expect from Lovecraft based on my understanding, just like, you know, going insane because of the scary things that are happening and every, like no one, you don't know who to trust or where, how far the magic goes. And it's starring the guy from Jurassic Park, like, I think like in, like right after or right before he made Jurassic Park. So it was like, he was like a big deal and he made this like, pretty bad b horror movie that is directed by john carpenter um 
Interesting. Yeah, it is one of the Judd Carpenter, you know, second or third tier uh, movies. It was not, again, disappointed. Um, Also, I, because I like the Conjuring universe, especially the first Conjuring, and I, I liked to some extent the second Conjuring, that was the Conjuring one. I've said it before, but if you just want pure, spooky, scary, very well done, very slick, actually scary, highly recommend the first Conjuring. Um, actually scary for sure. Yeah. Uh, so they did one that was an offshoot called The Curse of La Llorona or Curse of Llorona um, that is about like a specific like spooky folk tale. And so it looked kind of dumb and had bad reviews as a lot of the wider conjuring universe offshoot movies do. And so I was like, maybe I'll check that out. Maybe one. But then I heard that this Guatemalan movie based on the same folk tale, just called La Llorona was actually very well done. And so I watched that instead and it was very boring. Um, oh. It was not at all scary. It, I, I'm bet I would bet, Curse of Yorona is much scarier than La Yorona. Um L L O R O N A. Um it was like really just like super slow and never went anywhere and it was kind of like about a political conflict and oppressed people and then there was like a supernatural element that was predictable and not good. And so I was disappointed in that even though cuz I had heard it was good. That's disappointing. Yeah. The one that it was kind of dumb fun, like The Invisible Man that I saw that I could recommend if you're just looking for a dumb horror movie, but it was dumber and worse than The Invisible Man, was Ready or Not. And so that one is about a girl who's getting married into a rich family, and they have this family tradition where you have to pull a card from a deck of cards and play a game. They're they're the uh, rich... Uh, heirs of a board game family <laughs> obviously sure <laughs> so they're way into their board games and ga- other types of games uh and so if you're marrying into the family you have to draw a card from a deck of cards on your wedding night or whatever yeah the night uh, they already were married yeah, on your wedding night and depending on what card you draw you have to play a different game and there's like one card where you have to play hide and seek that's like essentially like a uh, battle royale like you you die. <laughs> oh boy. Oh gosh. <laughs> so, so like she thinks she's just marrying this like rich guy who's like nice and she loves him. And he has like a quirky game family and she has no idea what's going on. They, it's obviously like a big secret. And then she draws the cursed card. And uh, so then she's like thrust into this like deadly game of hide and go seek. And that's the plot of the movie. And it's, it's like as dumb as you'd expect and not, great and not well not as well executed as other things not as well acted uh elizabeth moss is pretty pretty good actress i would argue overrated but pretty good uh the people that are in ready or not not as good at acting but it was it was what you'd expect based on that premise so if you want that go for it uh and the one that i liked the most of the remaining ones that i watched was one cut of the dead which is a japanese uh horror comedy that it, that I heard about because it was like winning a lot of like film festival awards and it like it was like the most 
profitable indie movie of all time in Japan or something like that. Like it just audiences were going wild for it and blah, blah, blah. And so I had to check it out and I, it wasn't what I expected and it wasn't quite as high. It didn't quite reach my high expectations based on the hype, but it was very cute and enjoyable and fun and was not very scary. So don't expect that, but it was like kind of is very quirky and it is a gimmick. Um, The general structure is, a filmmaker wants to make a live one cut zombie movie to be broadcast live on TV. And so he has to like go through, he has to like plan meticulously how to make like a, you know, 30 minute zombie movie with like one cameraman. Um, And it is ambiguous going into it. Uh, if there's like actual horror stuff happening or if that is the movie. Um, and so it's like, it has some, some little bits of scares and things. Um, and, and, but it was, it never got very scary. I thought, but it was, it was cute and fun. So if you, if you want to like something very different, that is definitely a gimmicky premise. I would definitely recommend one cut of the dead. Just don't expect it to be a good horror movie. I watched the trailer for that. Cause I was thinking about watching that instead of memories of a murder. Um, and I do not think it would be for me. Um, but I do think that the trailer seems to be indicative of what it is. And I watched it and Gary watched the trailer and I was like, oh, no thanks to this. Cause I was a little worried that it'd be sort of too cutesy and that it just looked like they were throwing red paint on themselves and stuff because of the one cutness. Um, and Gary was like, I very much want to watch this movie. So he probably will watch it and, and be excited to talk yeah, to you about it. Should. Yeah. Yep. That is... That is it for the 2019-2020 spooky season recap. Uh, nothing else is going on in the world that is important uh, or bad, so we yeah, probably should talk about it. Um, just all there are scary movies. I will say uh, not a scary thing, but the probably piece of media that I have consumed recently that I enjoyed quite a lot was The Boys on Amazon Prime. I don't know if you've watched that, um, but I thought that that was a quite well-written and well-acted and just like well done. They pull off the thing that they want to pull off um, piece of television. I haven't seen it. I've heard mostly good things. If that interests you, I cannot strongly enough recommend The Watchmen, though. It sounds... <laughs> okay, great. Yeah, I'm sure, that, I'm sure that that's like what I actually should have been watching. Uh... Um, but I sort of started The Boys thinking that it would be entertaining and silly and it is that but it also um i liked it a whole lot more than i thought i would and i thought it made me appreciate as i was watching other things that were not as well written just how tight and um successful it was i thought it did so there you go not scary word well thanks for the distraction pat from everything in the whole world yeah thank you for doing this Mm -hmm. again uh it can be hard to carve out time to yourself these days uh, so I appreciate uh, you taking the time to watch this stuff and to chat about it and I know that yeah, it is now very it. late there. thank you yeah Pennsylvania's late turns out late with everything good <laughs> old Pennsylvania yeah well thank you and uh, everyone thanks for listening it was it was a good time uh, any words to sign off with no I miss you guys um, thanks so much this was fun let's do more watching of things yeah Bye, everybody!